Welcome back to the Top Gun Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and get our butts reamed one minute at a time in the movie Top Gun. I'm your pilot, Brian Kaboom Boucher, and with me again is Mitchell Taco Bell. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad (laughs) you could attend. Move along, move along. (laughs) All right, we're here to talk about Minute 37. Minute 37 begins with Viper talking about a circus stunt. And ends with the wild card. Yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, you know, we talked about earlier uh, getting their butts reamed. Yeah, that is exactly. I've had that. I've had to do the uh, the tap dance before. Oh, um, I have to ask for, ask for forgiveness. So I thought that was really well represented. Yeah, and, and you could tell that not knowing the backstory with his father having flown with his father and all the stuff that he's really given it a lot of thought. Yeah, I that came across well. I thought. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, he he says his direct quote is, "You, know, you broke another one with that circus stunt flyby." Top Gun rules of engagement exist for your safety and that of your team. They're not flexible, nor am I. Obey them or your history. Is that clear? Yeah. It it it's here. So. For one, I, I love how the, the lighting on that shot of Viper next to the window and yeah. and just the sound of that, that little menacing like bass sound. So, you know, he's serious. Yeah. Well, he's talking definitely talking two things there. Right. So he's talking circus stunt flyby and the rules of engagement. So yeah. the rules of engagement was at 10,000 foot hard deck. Right. And then, of course, circus stunt flyby. It kind of flows together. So yeah. if if you if you thought that in the Top Gun rule book it said no flybys, I doubt that that existed. You know, just because that was a given. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's that's a word of mouth rule. You don't you just you don't have to. It doesn't have to be written down. Yeah, no, that that was just it. So uh, yeah. nice, nice, nice way it flowed in there. You did a good yeah. job. Yeah, but it's funny how he said he's not flex. You know, they're not flexible. Neither is he. But then he's he just lets them go. <laughs> No write up, no nothing, you know. Well, he gave him. It's a, know, like he got. He gave him one warning, and that was it. Yeah, that's it. That's all you get. You got one warning. You're done. Yeah, you um, do. and probably the average guy probably would have gotten. And that's what I'm saying. He would have. The average guy would have been booted out and sent back to the fleet. Right. I think because he knew his dad, he cut him some slack. Yeah. But you don't really know that. I mean, he said, I flew with his dad. I flew with his old man in Vietnam. Yeah. You don't know that until the next scene. But then when he when he quits and he goes to his house and stuff, that's when you really get the background. So he knows that his dad got shafted, but he doesn't admit it to Viper. Right. So he definitely has some prejudice uh, towards uh, leniency for him just due to the fact of his uh, knowledge and friendship with his father. But I, I always found that, you know, I thought, why would he let him off? Well, he gave him a warning. Well, he definitely is not doing that again, you know. Yeah. Well, at least we yeah. hope not. Yeah. He's not going to do that again for sure. Yeah. That would have scared me straight. Yeah. I would have yeah. been done. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I think Goose was scared straight. I think I think it worked for him. Cause, oh, what was that number for the truck driving school? <laughs> yeah, and, and you know that that actually was a real thing. There was a truck truck masters. Oh yeah, yeah, driving school. That. Yeah, they used to have all kinds of old commercials, and yep. uh, that uh, eight hundred trucking or something like that. You know, yeah, yeah. That was a. I remember. I remember those commercials when I was a kid. He's thinking that he might have to go do that. Well, you know, he's also. My uncle was an NFO in the F fourteen. You know, not. Yeah, he. There are not a lot of flying jobs. As uh, you know, they're not hiring NFOs to be commercial airline pilots, not unless they have the ratings yeah. go on later or their retreads, they call them and come mm -hmm. back and go to flight school. But yeah, yeah, he probably that all he have left <laughs> truck, truck master. Yeah. But well, no, in real life, in real life, you if he got booted out of the squadron for whatever reason, they would find another job for him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, flying dog shit out of Hong Kong. No, <laughs> no, Maverick. That'd be Maverick. Oh, that's Maverick. He just be, yeah. yeah I guess we just have to, he just had to be the navigator. Yep. Yeah. Well, they don't have navs on those, but yeah, they could put him on a P three. He yeah. could be sitting in the back of a P three, being a navigator on one of those. That's true. Yeah. Now, if I remember correctly, I seen that that uh, the Sundowners plaque that is right behind Goose. Yeah, Stephanie has that. I think she's bringing that to the convention. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, what's what's her Stephanie? Uh, I can't think of her uh, last name. Hanson. Is it Hanson? Yeah, she uh, she actually has that. Um, yeah. You know what? Uh, I, I'm, I'm I think I'm mixing her up with uh, another one of my guests from well, the podcast. I, that's Stephanie Hall. So Stephanie, Stephanie Hall. Hall has has uh, so much incredible memorabilia. I mean, if I had. A million dollars, I could buy it all. As a matter of fact, I would love to buy some of her ejection seats and stuff like that. Um, yeah. She's got some really neat stuff she's selling, but she's trying to sell it in groups, and big glops of stuff. Yeah. Is she the but one she that... She has that. Is she the, the curator of the, the museum in uh, California? No. She used to have like all that stuff displayed at her house. Now she's moved. And a lot of it's in storage. Um, yeah. She was out there. She was friends with a lot of those people. Uh -huh. She, like me, you get involved with a group, and then all of a sudden you have the inside track to, oh, by the way, did you hear uh, Kaboom selling his collection of whatever? Like, <laughs> no. Hey, Brian, what are, you, what are you doing, man? What are you selling your stuff? Yeah, man. Right. Yeah, the wife told me it's taking up too much space, so right. I got to sell it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So she's, she's selling a bunch of her stuff. Um, it's just kind of time to clean out and we are very fortunate stephanie's going to attend that will be one of the huge draws to see her memorabilia of what she has i've i've seen detailed pictures of her right. collection right and i can tell you that it is probably one of the best private collections of of objects that are aviation related especially naval aviation fighter huh. pilot uh, f14 specific Nice. Uh, related plus it spans world war ii she has stuff from world war ii uh, immaculate brand new looking uh leather helmets from world war one or world war ii mask uh -huh. and right yeah she's got everything yeah she's incredible nice yeah i, I look to see if i can find a any kind of <clears throat> like research you know if there's any information on this plaque that's on the wall this is a huge plaque 
you know, it says Northern Sea of Japan has the Sundowners, which is kind of funny because we have Sundown as a character. Yeah. You know, but on the, the CVN 70, which is uh, the, oh crap, I can't remember the name of it now. Calvin. Oh. Carl Vincent. The Carl Vincent. Yeah. Remember. Yeah. The Carl Vincent. Yeah. So, you know, you get those plaques made whenever you go on debt. Yeah. I don't know if you Air Force guys did it when you were like over in Osan, but no. we would, I was spent, I spent 30 days and displayed a termination 92 over in Turkey. And we found some, some guy that made these beautiful black brass plaques and stamped everybody's name into the brass and hand painted it. And it was really cool. And we all chipped in 25 bucks, everybody that was on the debt to get your name on the plaque. Yep. And that was a big deal because back in the squadron, uh, they would have these plaques all over in the ready room or on the hallway walls. So when you walk down, like right now, I could go back and I could see my name on a plaque in Turkey, Norway, uh, Philippines. You know, and if you were over in, in the uh, Pacific, there were these companies in the Philippines that would make those plaques and then mail them back where guys, guys would go pick it up, put it back on, the say, the ship. Or they know a guy like me who was a cargo dude. Um, in their case, you know, they get a cod guy to haul it back to the ship because it's probably too big. You know, you can't put it in the jet with you. Right. And they'd haul it back to the ship and then bring it back. Um, so if they left that ship, if the squadron left that ship, they would take all the memorabilia with them. You know, and go back. But um, yeah, for why they were there, they, everybody's got their I love me walls with all their... <laughs> where they've been, who was there. And it's yeah. kind of neat, uh, especially if you had somebody that you were looking like, you know, God, that guy, he was a lieutenant on that debt. Whoa. Yeah. You know, now, hell, he's a colonel. I, I never had a, never had that experience. I was only in two bases. I was in Osan in Korea. And then I was at Barksdale Air Force Base in Louisiana. And that's, mm. the, that's the only two bases I ever went to. I never went TDY to any other place. I almost did once, but it, you know, that was it, you know, right. and I, when I went in in 95, so it was after the Gulf War, you know, and before 9-11. So, you know, not a lot happened in that time period. So yeah. I didn't, yeah, I don't, I don't think my name's on any plaques. <laughs> we used to fly no. over there to Osan to go pick up leather jackets and oh, yeah. all sorts of stuff. Oh, oh yeah. You, over in Osan. Uh, oh, I, I, yeah. I, brought, I had all kinds of stuff, you know, brought back, you know, I, I had custom made uh, chess boards you know, the yep. little, little, uh, the little figurines are all handmade. I yep. had, a, I had the, the big, the sign with my name it painted in like pictures, you know, like mm -hmm. a, a bird or, you know, different things, you know, I had that stuff, a blanket or, you know, big quilts. Yeah. I had all kinds of stuff I brought back. Yeah. Cause they make, yeah, every, we enjoy they, going over there. They make a lot of stuff in Korea. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I bought my first pair of Nikes in Korea. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah yeah love flying over there yeah all right so uh we see we see that uh charlie's office is right next door to vipers so it appears so it appears i mean her name's on the you know her name's on the door you know it says tag rep but we know that you know charlie was based off of christine fox right who, who worked across the street from the base. See, we didn't actually work on the base, you know? So that's where office should be. But for movie's sake, 
they put her right next to Viper. So I'm wondering if Jester was right next to her on the other side of her. Well, I mean, normally you'd have a suite, right? You, you The squadron spaces were all set up the same. Navy, Marines. You'd have a suite. You have the CO, XO, and the adjutant would be out front. Mm. I mean, like you'd walk into this office and there'd be the adjutants there sitting there because you can't get past the adjutant to get into the, you know, time snipe, the CO or the XO. Yeah. So in reality, her office you know, would probably be down the hall uh, out of sight. But yeah, you know, for Hollywood, they put it right there to show how important she was. Yeah. Plus the distraction for for Mav. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then uh, we go back to, back into Jester's, or Piper's office. You see Jester pulling out a cigarette and sitting up on the desk and, you know, saying a fitness report says it all. Yep. He's a wild card. He's a wild card. Yeah. And yeah, we all know that he's a wild card. We've already figured that much out. So thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, the stuff they have to put in there to give you a little, little backstory. That's great. I love Hollywood. I love how they write that stuff in there because, you know, if you were to read the book, if there was a book written, it would probably have, a page and a half going into the background of Maverick and, you know, right. how he was such a wild card. Right. But, you know, maybe even uh, expanding upon the uh, fitness reports that he'd read, but that's, that's, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'd have to ask, you know, that's a good question. I'm going to have to ask those guys next time I talk to them, the top gun guys, uh-huh. if sending your fitness reports was part of, your package to attend Top Gun. Right. Maybe. Maybe mm-hmm. that is part of your package that you have to submit all copies of all your fitness reports. Yeah. But it seems I like don't, that, I don't know. Yeah. But then being a wild card and his attitude, that sounds like more like a psychological report. You know? I mean, fitness- yeah, but I mean, somebody probably wrote something in, you know, a great officer, except for when he's uh, flying past Penny Benjamin. You know, <laughs> right yeah doing flybys over the admiral's daughter or something like that you know uh landing yeah. landing hey. landing the uh saving his buddy um on men fuel when he should have landed the airplane yeah who, who knows what was in the comment sections yeah. on the fitness report yeah. i lost an engine once in an airplane my boss he's a little artillery guy he's about five foot five mm. and we we're flying this little civilian navajo on recruiting duty taking college kids up on joy rides trying to entice him into the Marine Corps aviation program. And I had an engine crap on me. And as we uh, had two choices, land in a, in a cornfield. And then the guy goes, the controller says, Hey, you got this little airport off your left. If you can make it. And I looked down and, you know, and we got into a, a base and we barely landed the airplane because the prop shaft cheered and the blades were flat. So the uh, barn door hanging there and the airplane's just, sinking 300 feet a minute whether i wanted to or not but uh we landed Uh, he goes man that was a smoother landing today with just one engine than last night when you had two engines and i'm like (laughs) yeah your focus kind of concentrates a little more but my fitness report was spectacular uh, that next fitness report most incredible pilot you know saved my life you know that type thing 
Nice. Not the not the like saving saving the day to make the guy appreciate pilots, right? Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that's all the action of this minute. So, Taco, uh, where or when did you watch Top Gun for the first time, or what's your relationship with the movie? What? what, what 1980, wait, wait. 1986. Yeah, I watched it in Annapolis. In Annapolis. Yeah, I'll never forget. My we lived in Virginia. We lived up Marlington, Virginia. And so we we drove my sister, who was in college at the time. Uh, I was 19. She was 18. She mm-hmm. went to UVA. I was up at James Madison. We uh, we drove her up to go uh, to the ring dance, the Naval Academy ring dance up at the school with a good friend of ours named Andy Burchard, who's now a two star, one star, two star Admiral Navy Admiral submarine guy, bubblehead. Wow. Um, so he was a student there and he took Susan to the big dance that they have. Mm-hmm. And so my mom, we dropped her off. She's all dressed up. We dropped her off and we said, we'll pick you back up at you know, 12 o'clock or whatever, and then two hour drive back. So what are we going to do? Well, we went and had dinner and then we're sitting there in this place and we could see the movie theater across the street and it had Top Gun. And at the time, I don't know if you remember, but all the ads that came out for Top Gun, all it had was, it just said Top Gun. And I can't even remember if it had a picture of Kelly McGinnis and Tom Cruise. It just said Top Gun. There was no trailer. There was there was nothing. Right. It was really unknown. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knew. Nobody knew. Nobody knew what it was. But I thought, hey, Top Gun, let's go see this movie. And my mom goes, "Okay." So we go in there and it's me, my mom and like a hundred freshman Naval Academy students all in their (laughs) uh, white uniforms. Oh, I can only imagine. Oh, yeah. So, with, you know, the scene when he saves him and uh, Cougar and Cougar knocks on the door. And yeah. He's got, you know, the, the ring, ring and it goes, the ring. Doosh, yep. doosh, and Naval Academy ring. Yeah. So all the students are like, Woo-hoo! yeah, and they erupt. Well, then when he hands his wings and uh, takes his gold wings off and hands them in, I'm like, yeah, you pussy. <laughs> <laughs> My mom's like, uh, shut up. Now's not the time to be proud to be a Marine. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But yeah, that that's it. So 1986 was the first time I saw it. Just a breathtaking movie. Uh, I don't care how goofy the dialogue or the the stuff, the flying scenes, bar none to this day, holds the test of time. I mean, it is some of the best flying sequences and and cinematic um, photography. Tony Scott that still it, it it passed the test of time, and it will for eternity it's just a great movie right the music the cinematography the flying i mean if you didn't want to be a pilot by god you did after watching that right yeah. and i'd already signed up I, I had a flight contract with the marine corps yeah um to go to flight school now to fly jets it's very difficult um in my case there were 15 of us there was one jet slot one prop slot and then the rest were helicopters yeah. So when we selected number one guy wanted jets, Andy went uh, Harriers. Number two guy wanted to fly Cobras and swack people. And I was number three, and I ended up uh, getting the prop. I put prop jet slot uh, helos. Yeah. And so I got the prop slot, which I could easily have been a helicopter guy. But yeah. flying is flying. It's the most fun you can have with your clothes on. And, and you still do it today? Still do it today, yeah. So I fly 737s. I'm an instructor. I uh, go out and teach guys in the Sims, 
how to fly the airplane. Then I go out in the real airplane, um, which is funny because the very first time they've ever flown the airplane, you know, you got 170 paying passengers in the back. Yeah. They don't know that, but no, that's why we're there. But it's right. the training nowadays is so good. Uh, they get over 50 hours in the sim and the sims are so realistic that it the only difference between the sim and the real airplane is the flight tent's asking you if you want coffee <laughs> it is very very realistic <laughs> and i bet they, i bet they want coffee don't they <laughs> yeah 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 they'll take coffee anytime yep awesome yeah i i watched the i watched top gun when i was nine i was nine years old when it came out and oh wow yeah, my my dad took me to the movies to see it. Uh, we always, I always watched war movies with him. You know, we watched Mash. My, Mash was my dad's favorite TV oh, show. Yeah. So you know, loved all the you know John Wayne military movies and you know Clint Eastwood where Eagles the, Dare. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, we always watched those. You know, as long as the you know, I mean, I know this movie is only rated PG thirteen, but if it was rated R, you know, my dad would still let me go watch it as long as it didn't have nudity in it. You know, uh, it didn't matter uh, about the violence, you know, so that was kind of nice of him. I don't I, I don't really remember being there, but I know I did go. My dad told me that we went. My, my whole family was is. All army guys, they're mm-hmm. they've all been in the army. And then when I I grew up, I mean, I've kind of always thought I was going to go in the military at some point, but I didn't know if I wanted to go in the army like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And of course, when I got up to be that age and I saw that movie and I was like, well, that's great. I love flying. Planes are great. You know, I love planes, you know, jets and stuff. And that'd be awesome. And then I decided I was going to go try to go in the Air Force. And I took my ASVAB test and I got enough, you know, high enough score that i could go in the air force and but i have you know my lovely glasses so yeah you know so i couldn't be a pilot so i wanted i my all my cousins ended up joining the air force you know which is kind of weird you know one generation is all army and then my generation's air force my cousins and i wanted to you know we wanted to be cops but it didn't work out. My my cousin actually was a cop and became became a, a security forces. And now he he's uh he's in Houston. He actually trained uh, canine dogs for most of his career. Now he's a detective. In oh, the, cool. In the Houston, How about you? Uh, I went into I went into munitions, which you know uh-huh. I built bombs and you know carried out the. Uh, you know, one of my jobs was building bombs. So I had another job where I was taking the bombs out, the trailers out to the planes. You know, uh, I worked on, uh, you know what a naval, naval clips are? The things that hold the the mines, the, the mines that go, that they drop out of B-52s, that they drop in the water, the yeah. na- naval mines. Well, there's these uh, machines that the bombs hooked, the naval mines hooked to in the mm-hmm. b52 and i was, did maintenance on those for a long time so and how'd that translate when you got out yeah that, using any of that no no <laughs> now i work in shipping i, I work at oh. i work in a factory now so but i mean uh 
do a lot of delivery stuff. <laughs> or yeah, 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 yeah. Pizza jobs and stuff. But yeah, none, none of that really translated to the real world, unfortunately. But oh well. Make you, yeah. make you a bomb contractor. <laughs> yeah, I, I always said uh, if I if there's a, the U.S. ever needed a mercenary, you, they could call me. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. All right, so let's uh, recap where we can find you on the internet. Uh, Tall Tales with Taco Bell on YouTube and Facebook. Yeah, a, and I think I'm going to start putting stuff on Apple and Spotify. That'll work. Yeah. Don't know. I don't know. I've got like 80, 80 some episodes. Yeah. So just, just like you sitting here shooting the bull, but I, I don't dissect movies. We did yeah. dissect Top Gun. That was kind of fun. Uh, some of the scenes. Yeah, and I like what Michael Sheriff over at the Top Gun fan club does, and he'll grab somebody and and we'll talk about it. Not we, he'll talk about a movie with him. Yeah, I just got I got to, to do that deal with Wayne only because Michael was sick. Right. Yeah. Leading right up to it, I think he had COVID, but uh, you know yeah. he was unable to uh, do that podcast. So he asked me at the last minute, "Hey, would you mind interviewing this guy?" And I'm like, "No, what an honor. That'd be cool." Yeah. Yeah, uh, for my listeners, you know that all that stuff I talked about last on the, the last couple episodes about Wayne Gates, I got it from watching Tall Tales with Taco. When he interviewed Wayne Gates, that's where I got all my information from. So if you want to check it out, by all means, because it was a great interview. That was on top. Um... That was on Michael's podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Top Gun movie. Yeah, that's fans. the Top Gun You're... fan club's page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but you, Taco, was the one who actually got to interview. And that was his very first time talking about that publicly. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. It, yeah, lots, yeah. Of, lots of cool information that he brought to the table. Yeah, I mean, just who knew that something you get stuck doing or get assigned to do 30 years ago would be to this day still fascinating yeah. subject matter that people are interested in uh, yeah. talking about so right yeah that was great yeah we've got lots you know it's it's incredible if all the people out there listening to your podcast all the folks that are on those top gun fan club pages it it blows me away the number of people there who um, are in the background who had a part in the movie and I think they just kind of sit back and, and like to watch the, um, the fandom, fan club, fandom um, appreciation of their work, even if it was just something small. Right. I mean, that would just be incredible. I did see something. It, it kind of made me laugh. There was a, a New York Post, and it said Top Gun co-star Frank so-and-so dies at I 75. Saw that. I saw that. And I started, I posted that, and then I thought, nah, you know what? Uh, I, like I wrote, I didn't mean to be dancing on the guy's grave, but he was a bartender extra. I don't think that makes him a co-star uh, or star. It's right. a Top Gun star. That's what I think it said. Top Gun star dies, and it said he co-starred in Top Gun. And I'm like, yeah, it's a long ways from, from being that. But still, what a very cool thing to legacy to have that you were part of that production yeah no matter what yeah well how, how many uh how many people dressed up like fighter pilots went to the bar to pick up women you know saying because of that oh yes. tons <laughs> yeah tons yeah. you know the recruiting right now they have issues recruiting army 
Marine, Navy, it's, it's hard to you get somebody to sign up for a 10 year commitment yeah. to be a pilot. And um, I guarantee you that when this movie comes out May 27th, I believe. Yes. Uh, when it comes out May 27th, a whole new generation of 18 year old, you know, 16 to 25 year old kids are just going to be energized by this. And they're going to go out and they're going to join the Navy or the Marines or the Air Force or somebody. Yeah. And they will they will get their wings and, and move on and have a great career. And then they're going to right. find out it's not as super romantic as it, it appeared in the movie, but right. it's still, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, your oh, military yeah. service, my military service, it's, it's something that we can proudly display and, and have um, to talk about yes. that uh, most, most people can't. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I cherish those memories a lot. Oh, yeah. You know, I would have traded for anything. I'd do it again twice on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost Rider, this is Kaboon requesting you to like and subscribe and share with your friends. If you could, please rate and review me on your favorite podcasting apps. You can continue the discussion on Facebook at Top Gun Minute Listener School. Find us on Twitter at Top Gun Minute Pod. Send your emails to me at Top Gun Minute Pod at gmail.com. You can find us and all your other favorite movies done in this format at moviesbyminutes.com. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, this episode pattern is full. <laughs>